1: single item at regular price, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.
0: The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good, but what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z, or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier, light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Goldilocks Productions broadcasts universal cosmic frequencies that unlock, awaken, and expand the consciousness of our worldwide viewers and listeners. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Enjoy the Goldilocks Productions presentation of the In The Psychic Flow Show with Carol Ann Carey.
0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us here in The Psychic Flow. I'm your host, Carol Ann. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for joining us. If you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, and ring the bell so that you'll know when we're live next time. Uh, Tonight, we have a particularly astounding guest with us. Uh, perfect for the month of October. This gentleman, Carl Petri, is an author, a paranormal investigator, psychic, and just all around wonderfully talented guy. I and mean, he's going to share his experience with us and the things he's working on. He's an independent film producer as well and some videos that he's done. We're going to talk about all of this uh, in just a moment. Carl, welcome <laughs> to in the Psychic Flow. Thank you for coming back.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure being here. I love this show.
0: Oh, thank you. That's exactly the right thing to say. Thank you so much. And I want to wish you a happy Halloween, which I'm sure you get sick of, right?
1: No, because it's right next to my birthday.
0: Oh, when is your birthday?
1: The 28th.
0: Oh, happy birthday. That's great. You're Scorpio, I guess, right? Yes, I am. Okay, very good. Okay, great. Um, We were talking before we came live that this is a particularly busy month for a lot of psychics and and mediums. And then it kind of falls off the cliff a little bit around Thanksgiving. But for you in particular, um, let me first hit your book so that everybody knows what you're all about. Absent Witness is your book based on your, it's an autobiographical book available on Amazon that talks about your life and what's happened and your abilities that developed from a child. That's very interesting to me. And also uh, the way it unfolds for you is also very interesting and kind of scary. But I do want to uh, read a very good quote from one of the people that commented on your book on Amazon, because this uh, kind of said it all for me. And this really sells the book as far as I'm concerned. This is part of a review written by Christopher E. on Amazon. This book is compelling intensely interesting, occasionally disturbing, but never boring. I think that's one of the best comments I've ever read on a book. Um, I don't know about you, but I'd be, I think that's a great review right there. So and this is very true because I have partaken of your book and I enjoyed it very much. And it scared me, too. I have to tell you, it really scared me. And uh, you're kind of a scary guy in that respect. So it's disarming to meet you because you're so nice, you're so charming, and uh, how you manage to keep this abilities, these different abilities, uh, you know, on the so you can have a normal life. It's kind of I don't know how you do that. How do you do that?
1: Well, it's not easy because uh, different times of the day or at night, I may have some problems trying to fall asleep uh, from things that I see um mm-hmm. i have a, an ability called uh, retrocognition which means i could walk somewhere and see things that were around let's say 50 60 100 years ago and then it starts going into my mind and as i try to sleep at night all these images come into my mind and it is very disturbing because you can't fall asleep and you have to realize that the people that i'm seeing in these images they're all dead yeah so they're relating their
0: story to you are you seeing the the spirit or are you seeing the
1: echo or the energy of that individual it's like somebody's playing a DVD for me I'll give okay. you an example um I was working with a a, a parapsychologist uh, I I met this person at the parapsychology uh, Foundation in Manhattan and I was having problems that I couldn't get a a handle on what I was seeing and these things that were, I was experiencing. So I went to her and I explained to her that I could, for example, look in a photograph, I could go in the photograph, turn around and see who's taking the picture. And Mm -hmm. so she looked at me like, you know, this is unusual. And I said, give me a picture and I'll do it. So she invited me over to her house and she said, um, Here's a group of pictures. They were on top of her bureau. And she said, pick one. So I looked at all these photographs. And there was one with two women standing like in a garden. One had an apron on, cooking apron. And I looked at it. And I said, this was taken during World War II. Mm. Uh, these, the woman with the apron is cooking. And the man is taking the picture. And I consorted my body. I said, he's having problems holding the camera. And I said, he has blue pants on, white shirt, and a blue tie. And I said, he's having a rough time trying to take this photograph. And the woman with the apron is worried because it's the war is on. She used a lot of coupons to get meat that they were going to eat, a roast. And he was taking so long, she was afraid that the roast was going to burn. So very calmly, she said, thank you very much. And I left. I did not know that the two women in the photograph, one was her mother and one was her aunt. The aunt was still alive, the one with the apron. And so she said, uh, uh, she called up her aunt and she said, do you remember the photograph that I have with you and mom standing in the garden? She goes, Oh, yeah, I remember that photograph. And she says, what can you tell me about it? She goes, well, we took that picture during the war. I'll never forget that picture. It was your uncle Stan that took the picture, and he had polio. And he was playing with this camera that snapped the picture, and it was taking so long, and I had a roast in the oven, and it was going to burn because it it was taking so long. She goes, he managed to take the picture, which you have, And I went in and I saved the roast. And I got the entire story by looking at a photograph. I knew everything about it. That gives you an idea of what uh, retrocognition is like.
0: Now, you also use um, psychometry and clairvoyance. Yes. Primarily. So those are the three that you use. Um, So I think people can relate. Our viewers and listeners can relate to that. They just aren't sure sometimes. What ability it is that they're using? Um, when you look at, let me let me back up just one moment. Let me get because I know we're going to take off here like a, a stream of wild horses, and I'm not going to do your bio. I would like people to look at visionarylivingpublishing.com, dot com, which has a great bio of you, Carl. Um, you're able to view locations and get accurate information about his history, events, and people, past and present. Um, you're also uh, empathic and is able to tune into the emotions others of others past and present. Um, let me see. A TV series based on your autobiographical book, excuse me, Absent Witness, uh, and film of which is in production. So you're still working on that. You can check out Carl on Facebook, Carl Petrie on Facebook. Uh, let's see. We were also... Uh, you were also, we were talking before the show that you were musically inclined and got an invitation to write music for Gary Lewis and the Playboys. Yes. thought your band was going to be playing and actually all they wanted was you. That's it. Only
1: me.
0: And your parents nixed that. You could have been in L.A. with Gary Lewis and the Playboys, but your parents said, eh, no. You are from the Ironbound District of Newark in New Jersey and you reside in Kearney now.
1: That's correct. Yes, it
0: okay. is. So uh, your parents weren't letting you go off, to, you know, on some wild expo anywhere. You're also uh, thank you very much for your service as a veteran. You're a Vietnam veteran, and you were seriously injured, um, and it took you a while to re- recover from that. So I want to thank you personally for your service. You were also uh, after that you were working at the new in Newark at the Federal Pacific Electric Company for quite a while, different positions there, management positions. But when the company moved uh, to North Carolina, I believe it was, you found, founded your own production company, Metro Video Productions. You married your childhood sweetheart, which I, I just love this story. And you live in Kearney, New Jersey. Did I leave anything out? The, what I didn't mention is Ironbound Vampire. That's a right. video you produced uh let's see the ghost of was it angela angela webb angela webb and requiem for a
1: vampire yes
0: all great videos that can people find these videos and if they feel like watching some halloween kind of stuff that you produce
1: well i'm sure you could find it online okay or, or if you could uh, actually you could buy it from um uh, uh there's a distributor in pennsylvania so if you just, uh, it's thesecom Okay. Um, and they have the videos available there.
0: Oh, great. Because people might want to check that out after this uh, interview with you. What else did I want to talk to you about? I read your, that, um, oh, I also watched your interview on Strange Dimensions. That was a couple of years ago. Great yeah. interview by uh, Rosemary Ellen, uh, and I don't see her last name. Sully? Sulse? Giley. Giley. I can't right. read handwriting. Okay, um, you don't often do a lot of um, promotion because you do not work for money. You oh, sure. do not get paid for your readings.
1: I don't I, do readings.
0: You don't do readings. You do if someone has a problem in their house and they reach out to you or something. What kind of tell our listeners and viewers what kind of work that
1: you do accept? Okay. Uh, When a person has a problem at their home uh, and things are kind of scary for the family, uh, they may reach out to me to investigate it. You see, when you don't charge money, if there is not a problem, you could tell them there's nothing here. and And they're okay with that. If I charged money to go to these people's homes and there's nothing there, they're gonna say, This man is a thief. He took my money and he gave me nothing. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know, so if I go there and there is something, I try to help out with it. But a lot of times there's nothing there. I mean, I went to one house where this one family swore that there was this ghost inhabiting their sun porch. Mm-hmm. And it makes it makes these strange noises at night. So they were very Oh, they were beside himself about this. So I went through the house, then I went outside, and I saw a part of the aluminum siding was loose. And every time the wind would blow, it would start tapping on their house. And they were telling me about the tapping that they heard. So what I did is I took the aluminum siding, I flattened it out, pushed it in, and I said, your ghost problem is gone. They were so happy. I didn't go into any details. I said your ghost problem is gone, and I walked out. No money was exchanged, nothing like that. They were happy. I was happy. We we solved the problem. But you know about being able to see things. Mm -hmm. uh, I recall a minister, female minister, was getting married, and uh, I went. You know, after they got married, whatever they wanted children, they started. To have children. Well, the first one that was born, uh, she took it to her church where they were going to baptize it. So I drove up to this church. It was in central New Jersey. And I pulled up with the car with my wife. We got out. We saw their van come in. They opened up the van. The husband bought like uh, brought out like a bassinet or something. And the woman brought the baby out. The minute I saw her, I saw an entity walking behind her ah and I said to sue I said look 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 behind her I said there's an entity walking behind her she goes keep your mouth shut don't tell them that there's a ghost with them before they baptize their child so I'm in there and I'm watching this entity Ugh. right behind them doing this so I figured I'll keep my mouth shut see if she says anything she should feel something well I I figured within a week, she'll call me. She called me in two weeks. She goes, Carl, I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like there's something around me. I Uh, said, it took you two weeks to call me? I says, I knew that when you went to the baptismal. And I described it was a female. And I described the way she looked and the way she walked. She goes, that's not my mother. And I went into more detail about the haircut, that the woman had, and she goes. That sounds like my grandmother. She goes. I was actually closer to my grandmother than I was with my mother. So, and we we're talking here for a while, and I said, "How would you like to meet her?" And she said, "I would." I said, "So I, I told her what to do." Uh, it was. I said, "When you were a baby, your grandmother should sing a song to you." She goes. She used to sing, You Are My Sunshine. I said, see if you can find a record of that or a recording of it. If not, I want you to sing it at night. Put one candle on the room, you know, in the room that you're in with the baby. And I want you to sing, You Are My Sunshine. Sing it over and over again. You will know when she comes into the room. She goes, okay, I'll do it. So what she did is she got into the room. She got the candle, lit it, and she started to sing, You Are My Sunshine, again and again. And by the third time, the room filled up with the smell of juicy fruit gum. Oh, wow. She goes, oh, my God, I forgot. When I was with my grandmother, that's all she chewed was juicy fruit gum, and she used to give it to me to chew she goes, I knew immediately my grandmother was in the room. It's a beautiful memory, isn't it? That's beautiful. It, is. it really is.
0: So when you're seeing, and I'm sure she was very grateful to get that. That's a oh, beautiful gift. Definitely. When you're seeing people, now you assumed it, it was an entity, you – uh, did you know it was a friendly entity or you're just looking at it? It's an entity and I don't know who it is. Oh,
1: I knew it was friendly. Oh, okay. okay. Definitely. Cause it was just watching the mother and the child and the baby. Yeah. And you know, it just like a loving way about it. I knew it was something good and uh, that there was no harm at all. That do would you, happen to them.
0: Do you ever see uh, when you look at people entities that are harmful for instance,
1: uh, no, not really. Oh, okay. seen that, I mean, I've been in places where entities were showing off and threw things around and, um, yeah. you know, caused some problems, but nothing dire, nothing really that bad. Okay, okay,
0: is that that makes me feel better.
1: <laughs> um, also, you
0: were said now before that we came on live, you were chatting about. Um, some of your investigations and I said, what was coming up for you? And you said you had a church that wanted to want to use your services.
1: That's um, true. Investigate. Right. So
0: how often do you get something like that?
1: Uh, This is a first where uh, a parishioner wanted a, um, an exorcism to take place by the church uh, to his son in another state in Pennsylvania. And the Catholic Church is not quick to have these things done. They it's very rare. Uh, but it came up where maybe you could call this man and he will investigate on our behalf. So I am to go to this area with the Catholic priest with me to see if there's something there or not. Mm-hmm. And well that
0: it really speaks to you because the, doesn't the Catholic Church do their own exorcisms
1: generally? Well, they do, but it's not as often. I mean, you would think that this is one of the things that they do on a daily basis. They yeah, certainly they don't. don't. No, they don't. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of finagling to get the Catholic Church to do uh, an exorcism. It's very rare. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're covering their base on this by having me go out there and see what I see.
0: Well, that ought to be very interesting. I can't wait to hear about that. You're though? you had mentioned, um, there's so much to talk about. I'm trying to pick, you know, one or two things, but you're, some, you're like an encyclopedia, so I'm not sure where to start. You're talking about um, another book that you're working on. Yes. And can you give us a little hint about what that's going to be like?
1: Hmm. Uh, well, it's a continuation of the stories that uh, from the first book. You know, all new stories about things that I was involved with, um, some are good, some are bad. Uh not everything that I investigate turns out to be something wonderful. Sometimes it's not. Right. Uh things don't really pan out like you wanted them to, to pan out. Mm-hmm. And uh it's very depressing in a lot of times where people they swear that they have these problems and you you make a trip, you see it, and you find out that the person is delusional. Ah, I see. And it's a big letdown.
0: Yeah, that's a big letdown. Um, A lot of
1: people want ghosts. You know, I'm just saying that a lot of people, uh, they may have a house and they say they have problems. And I see images in the house, which are imprints. They're not ghosts. Okay. And what what happens is they get very angry because they want ghosts. They told Uh their friends they have ghosts and I want ghosts. And if you're there and you don't give them the ghost... Uh, they get very upset and then they call ghost groups to come in there and give them their ghost. Aha. And charge them probably. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, um, how are some, what are some cases that you've been able to help? I, uh, actual case where there was actual haunting, are there actually hauntings anywhere that you've been involved in?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, there are, like in my first book, I talk about the um, the ghost of Angela Webb, which mm-hmm. also I made into a film. She had so many. Yes, they were throughout the house. It seemed like everyone who lived in that house, who died in that house, never left it. And mm-hmm. uh, I was there with um, the English psychic Paula Roberts, mm-hmm. uh, well-known throughout the country. And, well, Dwight, uh, I'll explain to your, your viewers here. Uh, Paula is a psychic, works in Manhattan, and a customer came to see her and wanted a reading. And Paula said, you're surrounded by a lot of people in your life. Um, And she said, not really, just my work. She says, no, around your home, there's a lot of people. She goes, I live alone. But see, you have to know Paula. She's here no, you're surrounded by a lot of people. She said, if you count the ghosts in my house, I am surrounded by a lot of people. And as she looked at Paula and she said, would you like to see them? And Paula said, yes, I would. So up comes the telephone, calling Carl. Carl, drive me to New Jersey. We're going to see this ghost. It's right near the Pennsylvania border. So we went out there to see it. And the house was incredibly haunted. Not, we're not all talking imprints. We're talking about I could see entities. We opened the door. There was an entity standing behind Angela Webb, and she was walking around the living room. And see, Paul and I have this thing. I won't tell her what I see. Paula says, I feel somebody in the room. I says, that's right. She goes, I sense a females in the room. I said, that's right. And, she, and she's looking at me, and I said, and she's standing right here. And I describe her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the outcome was that the Angela Webb died in the World Trade Center. Wow, oh, that's the 911. Yeah. She yes. oh, died there. And when we went to the memorial, uh, which was in uh, Harrisburg, and we saw her parents, So two of us walked up to her parents. I introduced myself and Paula introduced herself. And the uh, father and mother looked at both of us. We know know who you are. I said, oh, really? And uh, she said, uh, oh, yeah, you were investigating the house with all the ghosts it has. And so Hmm. Paula said, "Uh, did you think there were ghosts in the house? She goes, I know there were ghosts in the house. We went once. We will never, we never would go back to her house. And, uh, and then when we were ready to leave, the father said to me, he said, looks like the house has one more ghost. And that was coming from her father.
0: When you, um, I think we talked about this the last, uh, last time I interviewed you, what makes, uh, well, first of all, let me ask you, let's. Define ghost versus imprint for our viewers and listeners because they may think they have ghosts, but it's actually an imprint.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Take a house that has, um, let's say, on the first floor. And this actually is what I experienced once where a man comes home every single day. Mm -hmm. He walks in the front door. He takes his hat off and his coat, walks up to the closet, hangs his coat and puts his hat up on the shelf. He does this every single day for forty years. Once he's gone, people in the house looks like there's something that's coming in through the house. Looks like a man who takes off a hat and puts it, you know, in a closet, and they swear it's a ghost. It's not. It's, it's an imprint. And you see people like walking up and down the stairs, and uh, the one house that was very upset because I told him they had imprints instead of ghosts. Uh, I said to him, want me to tell you, what you where do you see these ghosts? And he said, yes. I says, in the middle of the stairway. And I described the man. I says, he has a beard. And he says, that's right, that's right, that's right. Everything I was saying was right. And I says, you have imprints. They are not ghosts because I see them. And that's what an imprint is. A ghost is something else. A ghost has like a mind of its own. It walks around the house or looks at the people. Will visit rooms, things like that. It's a live thing. It's it's actually mobile. It's going through a home, or a factory, or whatever. That's the difference between the both.
0: And a, and a ghost could uh, technically move something, correct?
1: Or some, not all ghosts are created equal. Okay. Uh, right? Some ghosts can. Some ghosts can't. Okay.
0: And that depends on them?
1: No, I believe whatever their abilities are. Some have Absolutely. abilities still and some can't. Okay. Maybe some are stronger,
0: some can't. Okay, got it. I understand. So if they have developed that particular skill on the other side, then they can use it. If they haven't or it's not important to them, they don't. Okay. That's true. Yes. Okay. What happens, um, give me an example of, I'm very into history And if I had your ability, I would like to have it maybe for like a couple of hours on a trip someplace to see historical people at that location. Let's say like, I don't know, uh, someplace in Normandy Beach or uh, in World War II or Gettysburg or something like that or Abraham Lincoln's office or the White House. You know, what what kind of things have you seen
1: in historical places that you could share with us? I was invited to look at a home in Hanover, Pennsylvania. Hanover is not far from Gettysburg. Okay. Now, I went to see the house, which, by the way, there was nothing there. But I walked on the front lawn, and images started flashing back to me from the Civil War days. And I saw there were wagons on the street, and one was on their property, and there was a soldier who died right next to the wheel. Oh. And so they, they were Confederates. And I said to the woman, I said, your house, I don't see anything in the house. But outside, there's a wagon. It looks like a Confederate soldier that's there. And I says, he's dying or he's dead next to the wheel. And uh, later on, I went back to check about Hanover, Pennsylvania in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. only to find out that Hanover was the area where they put all the wagons. And there were skirmishes there. And some of the people died, both Union and Confederate. Right. So here, here I was at a home looking for entities, ghosts. They weren't there, but I went outside and I saw all these wagons. I knew nothing about what Hanovers, what they were involved with during the Civil War. But here it was, I, I'm looking at it. I could see the person dying in front of me. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of things I see.
0: Don't you think that's important? Because when I talk about mediumship myself, um, I like to validate who I'm getting or what I'm seeing. And I kind of stress that to people who are maybe coming up or just learning about their abilities. I always feel uh, the people that come into me, I like to validate who they are. Right. And um, because that gives you the confidence, because it really what you do is like jumping off a cliff without a parachute. You know, are they going to believe me or not believe me? You know what you see and you feel, you know, you believe what you're seeing and experiencing, but relating it to someone else. So you like I would imagine you like to have the validation.
1: Oh, I'm being tested all the time. I was tested by uh, the University of Maryland, uh, by UCLA. Uh, They heard about me. They came to the Parapsychology Foundation in Manhattan to test me. Ah. And uh, so what happened is that we were sitting uh, on the second floor of the uh, facility and they had with them items. And they handed me a piece of jewelry. And I picked up the jewelry and I said, this was a short woman, stocky. Uh, She speaks with an accent. And I looked at the man that handed it to me and I said, "Is this your mother?" I said Is, and was she built like that?" He goes, "You got it." Then I took another piece and I, and I described about it and you know every, all the details about it. and the other person from UCLA said he's got it." And then they handed me look at this a wristwatch. okay when I touched the wristwatch, I almost fell out of my chair and I said, Oh my God. I said, this wristwatch belongs to a person who's in agony and pain.
0: Mm.
1: I said, he is beside himself. And I said, uh, this is very painful for me to hold this watch. And they said, well, maybe you should touch something else. I said, not right now. I'm in pain with this. I said, uh, whoever owns this watch is going through some horrible emotional pain. And then finally they said it belongs to an image like Bobby. He came with us here. He's not here because he's on the telephone. His wife wants a divorce. He loves her so much and he can't believe it. And he's crying all the time. He's always in pain. And they said, that's his watch. So, Amazing. And then they said, we want you to check something else. I says, I can't right now. I says, do you realize what this does to me? And probably about 10 minutes later, who walks in but Bobby. And the tears are coming down his face. Yeah. And he says, can I have my watch back? Oh. So it goes to show you that, you know, it's not like it is on television. It right. could be very, very painful. And if somebody like me, when they get hit with something like this, it's like somebody jabs you in the stomach or punches you in the face. Uh, and it's not like I could brush it off and go on to the next thing. I'm still right. suffering from what you just gave me. It's like if you gave me something, uh, uh, let's say, from somebody who died in the concentration camps.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. You know, how would I feel if I touched something like that? You can imagine. I'd go through all kinds of pain. Right. And it's a physical pain, not just a mental pain. I double up in pain.
0: So because, um, so you were you were just explaining how psychometry works. Yes. Right. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Pre. Um, what did we say? Retrocognition. Right. Is uh, what's already happened that you're seeing, right. and psychometry. I use that sometimes to teach people. I love psychometry, but not if I had to experience everything, but. If I teach people to use psychometry to tap into a mediumship ability, when you're what you're getting, you're physically feeling this, which is God bless you. That's kind of awful. Are you getting like if you held something historical, uh, like a brooch or something from George Washington's wife, would you get her in spirit or are you just seeing an image of what transpired around that?
1: I would know what she's what she was thinking when she got it. Okay. How she felt about the object. Uh I would see through her eyes. Okay things in the room.
0: Okay. That's the clue right there. You're seeing right. through their eyes. Isn't that something? That's amazing. How do you how did you grow up in the Ironbound district of Newark? Right. I'm familiar. I lived in Jersey for twelve years. Okay. And going to school and playing with your friends and looking around, that's a historic district. Yes. Did you see history before your eyes? See, that part is fascinating to me, but it's also kind of scary. Did you see history?
1: Uh, What I saw usually got me beaten up. It was a horrible horrible existence. Really? Yes. Um, Because you knew things about people that you're going to school with. You knew things about your teacher. That they would never want anybody to know. Uh, if you knew something about your friend or his family or whatever, they would say, "How do you know this? Who told you?" And next thing you know, is you're getting beaten up. It's I a see. horrible existence as a child. Oh, so you learn to keep
0: your mouth shut about that? I would think.
1: I'm not that sharp, sure, but it takes me a while before I realize keep your mouth shut because you know I just thought everybody knew this stuff. I was, right. it wasn't just me, but everybody was pulling my leg because they pretended like they didn't know that. For example, when I was in uh, elementary school, uh, there was a, um, I think she taught kindergarten or first grade, very attractive teacher. And I saw her walking down the hallway, and it was right near the wood shop for the kids. And then I saw the teacher from the wood shop. And I said to somebody, I said, oh, I mention their names, they're dating. And they go, No, they're not. I says, Oh yeah, they're dating. I says, they're they're going out all the time. And they go, come on, who somebody told you that and they're lying. It was about three months later, they announced their engagement. Both of them are getting married. But I knew that. I just looked at them and I could tell. Mm-hmm. That's just an example of growing up knowing things that other people don't.
0: And how did your parents feel about this when you, like, would bring things up in the family?
1: They were oblivious. Uh, my okay. father grew up in the coal <laughs> mine district of Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And I recall once we were going through with our car, and I looked at a field, and I said, you played baseball here with Uncle Pete and Uncle John, you know, his brothers. And my father goes, yeah, we did. We played in this field. And he kept on driving. He didn't have the idea that this kid that's in a back seat was never here before and he knows that you played baseball in this in this yard, this this piece of ground. Was Went that, right over his head.
0: Yeah, out of his realm of understanding. I couldn't get it.
1: Anytime I brought something like that up, uh, it was always uh overlooked, like nothing. They right. never caught on. Yeah, because they
0: didn't re- they couldn't relate to it. Is that why?
1: They just never thought about it.
0: Do you think that your abilities are hereditary? Yes. From and, and where do they come from?
1: My grandmother on my mother's side. Ah. See, my family is Catholic. My family's Catholic mm-hmm. And they don't believe this. Right. Anything like this. It took, and if I mentioned it to my mother, she said, nah, 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 nah. Uh, and just disregarded it. My, my mother's sister, my aunt, was on her deathbed in the hospital. And she said to me, she goes, you have the same ability as your grandmother. She goes, in Europe, people came from miles around to see her. And she goes, and you could do the same thing. You have the ability. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at her like, why didn't she say something to my mother years ago? But well, she wouldn't because it would cause a problem.
0: Uh, I think,
1: Yeah. but. You know i maybe i mentioned it before about um i could look at people and i see things in their past right and my mother was a singer years ago i mean during the war whatever she used to sing um you know at at different places where they had gis whatever yeah and uh, i was looking at her when years ago i looked at her and uh I saw that she had a slinky black dress on with the slit up the side and she was laying on the piano singing a song. Wow. Now, in 1943, my mother was like 17 years old. Wow. And here she is with a slinky dress on laying on top of a piano singing. So I just happened to say to my mother, what were you doing singing in a nightclub with the slinky dress laying on top of the piano. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You're making this all up. And years were going by. And every now and then, I, every time I look at my mother, I would see her on top of the piano. And I kept on asking her, you know, again and again. She kept on denying it, denying it, denying it, till my mother was down in her 90s. And she was like 91 or 92 years old. And it was late at night. She lives out of state, and I was visiting for the holidays, and we sat there. We're both nursing down a drink, and she just looked at me, and she said, the Starfire Club. I says, what about the Starfire Club? She goes, that's where I wore the dress during the war. She goes, I was underage, and this is how I made side money. You could see, just looking at my mother, I knew what she did in 1943 in detail.
0: Mm hmm.
1: So that gives you an idea of, you know, the ability to be able to do things like that. And I've done it with my relatives, you know, a lot of them. And then I would just look at Sue and she would get and I'd give her the eye like, watch this. And I would say something and it would blow their minds because I would know stuff that they never even talked about.
0: I think the next time you come on, we need to bring your wife, Sue, right? Is that oh, yeah. Uh, I need to get her side of this because this can't you can't be that easy to live with.
1: Oh, she deserves an award. She really yeah. does. Uh, you know, she she's a psychologist, which oh. I have a I have a living psychologist that could that could help me out. Uh, she has put up with this for many many years, and she deserves a big award for that. Well, she
0: must really love you, and I I think she understands who you truly are. So, oh she, yeah, you know, I would imagine when people, um, now I mean, I do this not, not the way that you do it, but I do it. And um, I don't know if I would want you, I would not want to ask you anything about myself because you might spit out God knows what, just for example. I mean, you know, I'm not convicted felon or anything, but I mean, you might spit out something embarrassing. How do you gauge what to say, what not to say, or do you think it at all?
1: You answer the question, why I don't do readings. (laughs) That's I was invited to uh, a a Halloween party. It was in Manhattan, and there was a lot of uh, people from the media that were there. And this woman goes ahead, and not knowing why I was invited there, uh, after we were there for about 40 minutes, she came out and she said to both me and Paula Roberts, the British psychic, she goes, when are you going to start? And we said, Start what? She goes, Readings. Aren't you both going to do readings for all my guests? Ah. Uh. And I says, I didn't know anything about this. And Paula said, I don't know anything about this. Mm. She goes, Well, why do you think you were invited? And we says, We just thought we were invited. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh she goes, Well, she goes, You were invited because I want you to do readings. So That's Paula kind of oh, very rude. Yeah. So Paula said, I do, do this for a living. I could do your readings, but you don't want him to do the readings because mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to really handle it. He'll tell you exactly what he sees, and that may not be good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the night didn't work out that well for her or for us. Uh, but it goes to show you that when it comes to readings and I see people, I just start talking, whatever comes into mind. where other people could hold back or they know I shouldn't say this or that. Everything I say will be accurate, but it may not be what you want to hear.
0: Well, a gift like yours, it may not work for that type of venue, but you have done some homicide work and missing person. You've used your remote view, I imagine, your remote view ability, which is quite unique. Um, Can you talk about any of those cases like how these gifts of yours have been able to help. Uh because you're primarily, I would say, a human servant, a humankind
1: servant. Uh sure. It's like um you would think that the police call me all the time for this and they don't. And it's a reason for it. They said if we call you and you solve these problems, that our taxpayer is going to say, why why do we have a police force and why are we paying you when we could just hire him? So, I usually don't get called by the police, but I do get contacted by their families. Right. And I'll tell them, like in this one case, um, I went there. I never go alone. I always go with someone. I went with this parapsychologist from the foundation. And I went into this house. I said, give me a belt buckle or something, a metal that they owned that they wore all the time. And so they gave it to me. And I stood there for a minute and I said, uh, the man drives a Lincoln Continental, a black one. And they just looked at me, and I they said, he was a chauffeur. He drove Lincoln Continentals. I said, okay. He wore an overcoat, he wore a hat, and he listened to 1010 Winds news station on AM radio. And so the man's mother, who was there with his sister, said that's all he listened to unless he had a fair, he had to put on music or turn the radio off. Oh, I see. But That's all he listened to, 1010. 10. And I said, remember, I knew nothing about anything about this. And I said, uh, the man went to get a cup of coffee and he went into, and I said, it looks like a, a donut place. I said, I'm not saying it's Lunkin Donuts. I'm not sure about that. But it's someplace that has like donuts, pastries, and coffee. And they go, yes. And I said, he was shot there. He oh. died there. And they said, yes. And so um, they said, well, who shot him? I said, I'll, first I'll describe him. And I described him. And I said, he lives on the second floor of a bodega. That's uh, Spanish for like a uh, grocery store. It's historian. And I said, the man lives on the second floor, and it's in Patterson. That's where he lives. And they said, well, they got the guy. He's Spanish. He lived on the second floor of a bodega. She said, and he lived in Patterson. I says, yeah. And they said, but was it a hit? Was was somebody hired to shoot him? I says, oh, absolutely not. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. And they wanted to say that it was a mob hit, that it was premeditated, But the man just happened to want a cup of coffee and stopped in this place and got shot. So that was it. And uh, what happened is they were very annoyed at that. They said, you just told us everything that the police said. And I said, let me tell you something. The police are pretty good at what they do. Yeah. And And it's just confirms that what they did was correct. Oh, by the way, this never hit the papers. All the details were never hit the papers. The police made sure it never hit the papers. And I don't read the papers anyway. And it happened a while ago, but it's the families that call, call you and they want details about things, especially with uh, murder. How about, um, like if you're, if you,
0: well, I can understand why you don't watch the news, but if you were looking at, let's say you saw a missing person poster. Yes. What would happen?
1: Oh, we had that. I, I worked with the uh, FBI on that one. Uh, There was a man that uh, brutally raped a woman under a bridge and left her. She pretended she was dead. Ah. And he left and uh, he went from one town to another by crossing a bridge. And the FBI, the state police were all looking in the wrong area. I saw the wanted poster. I called the Parapsychology Foundation because I'm not allowed to call the police about anything. Because if I do, I'll be a suspect if I'm right. so I
0: want to stay out
1: of that. (laughs) So uh, she called the FBI and she explained who I was and that I could possibly help them with the case. And they said, it is the the policy of the FBI. We do not solicit any work from psychics or anybody who has so-called abilities in any matters of the case. However, if he wants to give us information, we're willing to take it. You know, so they're saying that we're not soliciting that. Well, if you have some information, we'll we'll take it. Yeah. So, so I said that you're looking in the wrong place. I told him what city to look in, what street he was on. I said, I can't give you the address, but I'll tell you what the house looks like. It's very unique. It's a yellow house It's three stories high, and he's on the second floor in his grandmother's who lives there, his grandmother lives in that apartment. He has his back against the stove and he's wearing, we call it a gubalini, it's a stocking hat. And I says that he has that. And because it's a reward out, he's afraid if he goes out in the street that somebody's going to spot him and get the reward. And all he wants to do is go back to Puerto Rico. Mm. And so I gave him all the information. They immediately left and they tracked down that house they went up to the second floor, knocked on the door, opened it up. It was in the kitchen, and they saw this guy with his back against the stove wearing a stocking cap, and they said, we'd like to talk to you, and then they went into details. And they said, look, I just want to get out of here. I want to go back to Puerto Rico. So he was arrested, and they caught him. All so because I did saw they, a sign.
0: Did they tell you this? Did they give you the feedback?
1: Well, they called back the parapsychologist. Okay. Okay. Is this the
0: foundation that you
1: belong to, the Paris? The Paris Psychology Foundation in New York. Okay. They moved since then, but um, they called her up and they said, how do these people do this? It's amazing. Just, I don't know, but I knew everything about the guy. I could see through his eyes. I knew where he was, what he was thinking about going back to Puerto Rico in full detail. Mm-hmm. All from looking at a sign. It doesn't, doesn't happen all the time, but occasionally it does.
0: If you were um, and today, I think people are more open about what you do. Maybe not. Not in your no. case. Maybe um, would you have would you have trained differently? Would you have used your abilities differently? What would you have done anything different now that you've had all this experience under your belt? Would you use this differently?
1: I don't believe so. Okay. Because a lot of people just don't want to believe it. Uh, I had a very good friend who was teaching me remote viewing, whose name is Ingo Swan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was teaching me and yelling at me all the time that I wasn't doing it right. Uh, but, you know, he would always test me and make sure that I was on target with this. Uh, but even with people like that, and he's the greatest there ever was in remote viewing. And still people, no matter what you do, they always have an answer. Well, he must have read it. He must have went on the Internet. You know, they always want an explanation for how I do what I do. Right. And, like, how did you know? I know how you know that about my grandfather, because you saw it on the Internet. I said, you made it tell me they have stuff about your grandfather from, from 1910 on the Internet. Could you show me where that's at? Well, somehow you found it. You see what I mean? If they have it in their mind, they just don't want to believe it. They just won't believe it.
0: Well, our job is not to convince
1: skeptics. That's for
0: sure. But in your case, because you have such um, definitive abilities, are just so overwhelming. They must be blown away. And that maybe their brain can't,
1: you know. Well, there's a, well there's a sad thing about that. Uh, people will meet me and they'll just hang around. They see what I do. I don't even think about it. I just do things. And it's like, wow, that's great. That's wonderful. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. He's my friend. Boy, Carl, tell me more. And so days go by and you show yourself you could do certain things. And it's like, wow, I can't believe that. That's great. Then after a while, it's like uh, there must be some trick to this. I don't know how he does this. And all of a sudden, they're not really your friends anymore. Mm -hmm. And then they don't like you. And the friends that you had walk away from you. They're not your friends anymore.
0: Because they're scared?
1: They're scared. But they figured that I could read their minds and I know things about them. And everybody, you know, don't they, they don't want their whole life, you know, that somebody knows about. Their innermost right. secrets or whatever. And I'm not that type of person. I really couldn't care less. But what happens is you get people who are your friends they like what you do. They're amazed at what you could do. And the more they know you, the more they become afraid and they don't like you anymore. And so, so you, you have friends that come and go. Do
0: you, But you have? would you have? consider yourself that you have friends that do, like uh, some of the psychics that you've worked with? Yes. People that understand the work, I would imagine um, it's more conducive of a relationship. First of all, there's no competitiveness with you at all. Right. Right. There's no guile with you, as far as I can tell. Um, you're as honest as the day is long. So, but I think that it's nice that they can work with you, um, that they trust you. You know, I think that's really good. So maybe that's the important thing. Wouldn't they say you can count the number of friends on your hand? That's right. As time goes by. So I think that's uh, kind of weird, right? Do people ask you uh, if they know, like, well, how's the election going to go? Or what's it? How's the stock market? Do people ask you that kind of stuff?
1: Uh, not really, and They're I don't. Right. I don't want to comment on that because uh, usually when it comes to elections, you know, I'm right. Even if I know a candidate's going to lose and another one's going to win, I'll tell them what that person's going to be like, and it all comes out to be true. And then people they don't want to ask you anymore. They don't don't like it.
0: (laughs) What kind of um, stories are you going to include in your new book? Are you going to do more uh, paranormal? Are you going to talk about your clairvoyance, about how you help people?
1: A little bit of each. You know, uh, some stories that are happy and maybe some that are sad. Things Mm -hmm. that not not work out that well. Um, Where because somebody refuses to acknowledge what I could do somebody dies and I feel terrible about that. They could have lived if they listened to me. You know, that's just one of the stories. You know, it's not always, it's always, it's not always happy. A lot of right. stuff is very sad and it it, it bothers me. You know, I'm a very sensitive. You know, people like me are very sensitive. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when somebody won't believe what you tell them and the person that they're looking for dies And you told them where to find the body, where where that person is. And they refuse to go because they don't want to take the word of somebody like me. Mm -hmm. And somebody dies. As a matter of fact, that was the first episode of the TV show, Absolute Witness, Mm -hmm. was an account of where somebody refused to believe what I was telling them and the person dies. That was the first episode. So it is what it is.
0: I would think that, um, as you said, the families of missing people may reach out to you. Um, but, you know, once that they, they have the knowledge from you, it's getting the police to act on that information. And the police will well, how do you know? You know, they're not just going to follow up every crazy lead anyway. Right. Right? So it has to be very convincing,
1: I would think. Yeah, well, there was a national um, case that was on the front headlines, and I knew everything about the case. I knew before it came out what kind of truck, pickup truck, he drove, uh, what his wife looked like, where he disposed of the body, and all this information. And I took a map out. It happened at a state, and I followed the man's house where and where he drove his truck. I had all this out, and I gave it to Dr. McMahon from the Parapsychology Foundation. And I said, the man killed her. He has a truck. This is what the truck looks like. This is what he did with the body. And so she calls up the police, and she says, I have information, you know, from a psychic who could probably help you with this case. And I said, hold on, please. Kept her on for like 20 minutes and disconnected her. Yeah. She tried calling back again. And they said, we don't want this information, hung up the phone. Uh, And then it was probably about two weeks later, not not a a week later, that they found the body. And everything that I said a week previous, word for word, place by place, turned out to be accurate. So who found the body, the family or the police? The police did. Oh, so they did listen eventually. No, they didn't listen to me because I never got the chance to tell them where to find it. Oh, but what did. I did is I wrote it all out. I had the map. I said where this is all happening in this and that. And they just didn't want to hear it. They could have found the body days ahead, at least you oh, know, okay. five, six days ahead of where they found it. But That's they refused to listen to somebody like me. You know how frustrating that is?
0: I would imagine I would imagine. But, you know, I, I give you a lot of credit because I think I'm too ego-driven that I would be really, really mad. You seem like a very calm person and um, uh, that it doesn't, you know, I guess you must be used to this. It's sort of like being underappreciated, I would imagine. And um, how do you think your abilities, uh, are you like one in a million, one in 500, one in, is there a statistic about your abilities? Like, how frequent this is found in populations or demographics?
1: I wouldn't know because the people I know, they have abilities that are like mine, some that aren't. Uh, it's like Ingo Swan, who was a remote viewer. Uh, he could do things that I wish I could do, yet he would call me to, to investigate things that he couldn't do. And he was the best there was. You know, So we each have our abilities and to say, yeah. There are so many people like me. I can't tell you because we're all different. Even Paula <laughs> Roberts is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, she's in the New York Times all the, or the New York Post all the time. And there'll be times where she calls me up about things and vice versa because we have different abilities. Yeah.
0: I think that's marvelous. And it is about making a contribution. So, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I want to thank you for that because you make a very valid and helpful contribution with your abilities and the the skills that you use. So thank you for helping people, uh, especially not even getting paid for it. So I want to thank you for joining us in the psychic flow, Carl. It's been fabulous. I really enjoy having you and I hope your wife will join us the next time.
1: I hope she does too. And she's a lot better looking than I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I look forward to meeting her. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for joining us on in the psychic flow. I hope you'll join us next week. I'll be doing some mini readings. I haven't done that in a while, so I hope you'll join on uh, and watch us on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope, Goldilocks Productions. Thank you for joining us. Have a good night. Thank you, Carl. Right, bye
1: Become Goldilocks Productions VIP patron. Receive exclusive access to live stream special and other epic packs. Join the Goldilocks Productions VIP community today.